Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P dot com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, coming to us from New Zealand is Mr. Alan Cox. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing really good, thank you. Ready to face the day, which is awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, and you are a jack-of-all-trades, and you have an incredible product out there, but you're also like a mentally cognizant, really interesting person, so I'm excited to kind of dive into things. Um, the first question we always ask our guests is standard, and we just ask you to let us know how old you are, where you grew up, and what generation, if any, you believe you belong to. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm I'm in my early 50s. Uh, I grew up in the UK, um, now live in New Zealand. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what generation I am. Yeah, I, I don't really pay much attention to that, but... Uh, Gen- gen- generation getting getting old, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm in your same one, and that's a, a perfectly acceptable answer. Um, great. So I think uh, the next question I just want to ask you is because of your bio, you said that you faced setbacks after setbacks, and you eventually hit rock bottom multiple times, which I love. I thought that was an interesting way to put it. So kind of can you uh, start with now with what you're all about and then work us backwards a little bit if you can? Um, yeah, so I, I guess in the broader sense, what I'm all about now is um, I've I've dedicated my life from here on, or at least at least in the kind of foreseeable future, um, to improve the um, kind of the global standard for for mental well-being and mental health. Um, you know, I, I think there's a there's a big job to be done in, you know, improving everyone's well-being and also shifting um, the conversation around mental health. You know, I, I think um, generally um, the term mental health is kind of synonymous with poor mental health, whereas um, you know it, it it really needs to shift to. Um, something that's far more normalized and, and mental health is something that everyone should work on just like their their physical fitness um and there's a lot of there's a lot of gains to be made from doing that um so so that's that's really what i've set out to do and um so i, I do i do a lot of uh, talking things like this to to try and kind of get that message out um and i'm also uh uh, a founder of a, a startup which is tackling a big problem in the mental health app space. Um, it's it might surprise you to know that there's there's thousands of uh, mental well-being apps available uh, to us, um, but there's very little evidence that any of them actually work. Um, and this was so- something that certainly I experienced when. I was going through um, some of my um, troubles, um, you know, trying these apps that had been recommended to me only to find that they just didn't do anything for me. Um, so, yeah, um, so the, the, the product is called Ever Yellow. And um, um, so that's that's keeping me very busy. Well, and can you get a little bit into like the, the actual products? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, 
so the re- the reason why most apps just don't work is that um, people just don't want to engage with them. Um, incredibly, like 98% plus are deleted within the first uh, 15 days. Um, and, you know, you have to ask, well, why is that? You know, well, they're, they're mundane, they're tedious, they're often overly clinical, um, and they're not enjoyable. Um, um, so we, what we've created is, a, is an app which is, takes a pure audio uh, approach. Um, so you, you, you just listen. Um, when, when you uh, listen to Ever Yellow, we play a personalized stream of audio narrations, um, vocal narrations that um, help you basically create small but significant shifts in your mindset. Um, and those narrations are overlaid on top of uh, a backdrop of music and sound. Um, and yeah, so it's we've made it incredible. You know, people enjoy using Ever Yellow. They're noticing um, you know quite significant changes quite quickly. Um, they're sharing it, sharing it with their friends and family, um, and they really like the fact that they can they can use it in pretty much any situation you you can even um you can even dial down the voice uh so that it's kind of non-intrusive um um so that you can you can use it while you're you know you can listen to every yellow while you're working or studying um but the the voices are kind of still getting through at a sub- subconscious level and and working on you. It's um yeah we're, we're very very pleased with with the results it's getting. That's awesome. Um yeah, and then I kind of asked you like six questions at once at the beginning, so I can slow things down now. Um, but that was I mean that's terrific, seriously, and I and I really do groove with what you're talking about. I think um there's something to be said for listening and having that work and calm me down. And I, I'm not a huge fan of the interactive stuff. So I, I definitely think you're spot on with all that. Um, but kind of to get us to like where you would care enough about other people to help them. And I know that's a rude thing to suggest, but most people aren't really looking to help other people. And the people who are, I find usually suffered some sort of personal tragedy. And so you alluded to a lot of different struggles in your life. Uh, why don't you just give us whatever version of the story you think is the most prominent and uh, effective to help people understand you? Yeah, well, I guess my, um, my trouble started from a very, very early age when, um, you know, there, it, I mean, put, putting it bluntly, it was, it was quite a, an abusive and uh, traumatic childhood, um, you know, and so while, while you're, you know, an age when you really need you know, love and care. Um, I didn't really have a lot of that, and obviously that that shapes you as you uh, move forward. And um, you know, so um, bullying in schools. You know, lots of periods of uh, depression. Um, at times, you know, when you know when some you know reasonably big life events happen you know maybe not massive but you know you know losing a job or something like that um that would often throw me into a very deep uh, dark space um there have been um some times that kind of you know 
were, were pretty serious. Um, so there, there was one time where I had quite a serious back injury and I was unable to uh, walk for pretty much a year. Um, and that, you know, derailed all of my kind of plans and of what I wanted to do over the next five years. And, and that led to, you know, multiple um, suicide attempts. Um, and that, you know, I, I, you know, again, from then I, I kind of recovered somewhat, but, ne- but never really. Um, the, the next big episode was when I, I nearly got killed in the Canterbury earthquakes. Um, and, and then shortly after that, uh, I lost, I lost my business. Um, and that, that really was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, I had a, a major mental breakdown. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, until, until I had this, um, I had no, imp- I had no idea really. I, I just, I just thought a men- mental breakdown meant that you was depressed, but, um, you know, it, it is a, it is a proper kind of breakdown of the system. You, you, your your brain kind of um, shuts down all of the, you know, a lot of the non-essential things so it can kind of focus on recovery. And, and, and what that meant for me is that um, I, I couldn't, you know, walk very far. My, my speech was slurred. Like, you know, it was almost, it felt like I'd had, had a stroke to be honest. Um, and, um, you know, I, I was told that, you know, because of the severity of that, I, you know, need, I, I, I shouldn't even think about getting back to work for at least uh, a year. You know, that's, that's kind of the length of time it would typically take for someone in my condition. Um, but, you know, I, that's really where I um, kind of started turning things around. I, I kind of couldn't face that. I, I started... You know, you know, consuming content on YouTube. Really, I think I got to a stage where I thought, if I don't do something here, I'm not going to be around for my children. Right? It was it was simple as that. So um, I, I started to try and understand what was going on, so I could try and find um, a, you know a pathway to like proper recovery and. Yeah, I think I think um, kind of coming to your uh, your point about you know wh- why why am I caring? Um, I, I think I think there is a component of you know helping those that are you know suffering, but I, I think there's actually a much bigger component of um, you know when when I when I got on this path of recovery, I I didn't just go back to like what I'd call like the normal state that I'd been before. I actually, I actually found, um, I actually, you know, I can, I suppose my analogy, although I've never been a fitness junkie, if, if you can imagine, you know, fitness junkies getting like high on like, you know, the adrenaline and everything they get from that. Um, I started really seeing the power, um, that mental fitness gives you. So I just carried on, in my journey and you know um i'm i would now consider myself you know far far more mentally fit than the average person and that 
that creates an enormous amount of kind of benefit to not only you as a person, but to, you know, to those around you. Um, and I, I guess because I've, you know, always been an entrepreneur, I, I've, I, I, I really see the, like the upside of that, you know, it's, um, and, and, and that's why I'm on this mission of, you know, it's not just about avoiding poor mental health that, you know, you, you can actually get, um, much, much more out of life, um, by, by working on it. Um, yeah. So, you know, just, just one simple example is that, uh, you know, before this time, um, me and my wife, you know, we was, we was always kind of, you know, we loved each other, but we was always like knocking heads. And, um, but since, but since I've now, I'm, I'm now in a better space, our relationship is really blooming, you know, and that's just, that's just one example of what, you know, being mentally fit does for you. No, that's great. So, um, I think to clarify for our audience, cause I, I think I have a good idea, but I want to make sure, um, when you say like you're mentally fit and you're probably mentally fit than a lot of better than a lot of other people. And that's not bragging to me. That's just you saying like, you've been trying these tools and they're working, but would that mean that like nothing is too hard for anyone to overcome if you're mentally fit enough? Or is there like an actual in your head, like an index where like, okay, well that would be over the top. And I'll give you a specific example that I think will help make my question more clear. Um, you know, it's one thing to lose a job. It's another to get told you have like cancer and then it's a whole nother to like lose a child, for example. Um, would you say that mental health, if you're truly mentally healthy, can prepare you for any of these brutal examples? Um, so I think overall the answer is yes, but, but like losing a loved one as an example, um, grief is, um, grief isn't like stress or depression that that is a a totally normal um and expected response that you you have so i i wouldn't i but but thing but things like you know losing your job and um and and you know even having a, a terrible accident where like you can't walk anymore or something you know that there's um um yeah yes definitely mental mental fitness will enable you to kind of take take charge of that situation much quicker um the the impact it will have on your um yourself will be um will be you know minimized um and your ability to bounce back um quicker uh, uh, will will be um increased there's there's a there's kind of an important distinction like that I need to make that's um it's not really well understood in in the general public and that that there's um mental illness and mental health are kind of on two different axes right i i'm like so as, as an example you can have someone with a mental illness like say schizophrenia or something like that um but they can be you know, generally speaking, they can be um, perfectly mentally healthy, right? That they, they are two different things. Um, and you know, similarly, you can have somebody that's um, not got a kind of a proper mental like illness as such, um, but they are mentally unwell. Um, 
what what I'm talking about here is is general mental health and well-being. I'm, I'm not I'm not talking about spe- any specific mental illnesses. Where 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 it where kind of mental health and mental illness kind of does kind of blur into one is when we start talking about things like um, you know uh, PTSD, uh, depression. Um, anxiety, anxiety disorders, things like that, um, because you know th- those things are definitely things that you know I I believe that you you can you can recover from, and they, and they are you know us- usually linked to some kind of um, you know unhealthy background in, that, that you've had to kind of go through in your life. Yeah, no, those these are great answers, and I really like what you said about grief not being the same as uh, I think you said guilt and depression. Um, that's that's a really good line to draw. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit because the point of this podcast is to talk about how our opinions of mortality affect the way we live, and you've talked a lot about uh, how your actual life affected the way you're currently living and how it led to mental health. But you did mention, um, you know, one of the hardest topics to talk about, but I think one of the most important topics to talk about, which is suicide. And so you did say you had a few suicide attempts. And so I'm curious not to hear the details of those, but I'm more curious about what was your opinion as you attempted on what would happen to you when you died? And has that opinion changed at all? And if so, what is your opinion now? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And um, so just, just, I guess first, just to give a bit of context to my answer is that um, I'm I, I kind of got forced through a career in my early days. I got forced through an education path. Um, I, I'm naturally a creative person, and I kind of got pushed into engineering. So I've got this weird brain where I, I look at things quite holistically, but I also look at things from a, um, a scientific lens as well. Um, and so, so I guess at the time. Um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, I mean it's certainly the case for me that I, I don't think I really wanted to kind of die as such. I think it was more that I just could not, I could not go on with the pain that I was going through. And when you're in that situation, you simply you simply don't rationalise properly the outcomes of, of what your action can take. Um, you know, in, in the kind of cold light of day, so to speak. I, you know, I'm you know incredibly incredibly grateful that kind of I wasn't successful. You know, I, I, I came I came very close a couple of times. Um, but um, yeah, that the, the thought process at the time, you know, especially when you know there's alcohol involved and things like that, you know, what what ten, what can happen, and you know, I think I'm not unusual here, but you're you're in this incredibly deep depression. You're um, you know you're you just cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're just in this complete black cloud situation you you start thinking to yourself i just don't want to do this and then you probably well you you then um 
you know, to start drinking uh, heavily to kind of just numb your um, numb your kind of thought processes, kind of thing. And and that and the next minute you 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 take an action that you 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 wish you hadn't taken, right? Um, yeah. So that that was kind of the first part of the question. What what was the second part of the question? Yeah. So. No, that was, again, great answers. I'm really, really thrilled. Um, so I, I, the main question we always ask in our podcast is, what do you actually think will happen when you die? So I guess I want to ask it just like that and just that directly. This is where kind of the, the scientific brain comes in kind of thing and, and also the spiritual brain as well, is that, first of all, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't say I believe anything in particular happens because I, I don't think it's possible to know. Um, I, but what I, what I do have, what I do have a sense of is, you know, cause I've, I've read a lot of things about, you know, things like Buddhism and things like that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing that there's more and more potential that there's kind of a, if you like a, a universal consciousness that we all kind of belong to, um, and I think actually we are p- potentially right. And you know, this is where I say I can't say this is what I believe, but I think there's, I think there's um, a high degree of potential that um, we are actually part of that just as much when we're alive as when we die you know you um i i use yeah i i, I use the analogy of um like a radio signal right if you if you you know like i know it might sound crazy but we've um we've just put this james webb telescope up in um into the uh into the into the sky right and what what that is doing is listening out for uh signals from you know billions of years ago right well what what has what has that got to do with us now right well um we you know we we are you know in, in our brains we're we're working on electrical signals and they don't you know when when they you know they they don't just stop at our skull, right? You know they 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 are measurable. Uh, you know even at a tiny amount, they are measurable outside, um, and you know they just they just you know it's not credible that they just disappear to nothing because you know that's not that's not the way physics works, right? And um, and you know we're we're learning so many new things that we would never have even thought possible you know things with like um quantum physics and things like that there's 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 things there's things in uh quantum physics that just cannot be explained right um so you know so just having an open mind you you have to think well you know just based on what you know about the basics of physics you know like um it's quite credible that you know, um, you know, in, in a manner of speaking, you know, this this thing, you know, we you know, some people call God is is potentially 
um, a universal consciousness that we are all part of. And I, I, I you know, um, you, using that potentiality, um, I mean, that that's really kind of, you know, that's been a big influence on how I live my life now. Um, and, you know, just, just coming back to your, your um, thing about suicide, for example, um, what 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 I would say to people now, and and and, and this is this is the case with me. Um, the reason the reason that I would not even think about it now is that I'm actually really scared of what might be the case when you you know let's let's just say when when you go to the other side right who who bloody knows that you who who knows that the what the the rules of the universe are right um it, you know just just to kind of be a bit joking for a moment you know it, it could it could it could be that there is a rule of the universe that says um you know if 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 you didn't you know honor your life enough to the extent that you um you know took that away then you must come back as a you know um a, a grub and you know your own functioning life you know you you you, you got you got to you got to spend a thousand lifetimes as a, as a as a as a worm before you're ever allowed to be a, a human again you know and we we just don't we just don't know what the rules are. What you just said, I think, is what all of us kind of inherently and intuitively think, which is like I feel like I got this, and and so I think that's really interesting. I think that's um fascinating to think about, like what you said, the threat of quote unquote the rules of the universe if we don't know what they are. Uh, because you grew up in the UK and you now live in New Zealand, and I'm sure you have some familiarity with America. Um, do you think all of these English speaking cultures are pretty much the same when it comes to mental health? Or do you think one of them is like taking the lead? Uh, where, where do you kind of see like the mental health meets cultural nexus? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it, um, first of all, let's look at, um, the general person, you know, the people population. And then, then we look at the world of like business and governments, right? Um, at at um at a more of a human level um in the english speaking world my my you know just based on what i know um i believe that in the usa it, it's kind of more advanced in accepting that mental health is something that you can work on right like um you know, my my understanding is that it would be far more normal in the USA for you know, you know, two guys or two women to be over a coffee and saying, "Oh, look, I must go now. I'm off to see my um, I'm off to see my psychologist, or I'm off to see my whatever." Whereas in the UK and here in New Zealand, you you definitely wouldn't say that. You know, that that's something you would keep under your hat. Um, it would definitely be, yeah. Um, you, you. That's not something at all. Um, and uh, uh, on a, on a, there's a, there's a lot, 
there's a lot of talk at, at the moment around, um, you know, like the, the Great Resignation and, um, you know, the the increased problems around mental well-being um, with as a result of COVID and how this has changed the environment for employers. Um, so here, you know, again, it's my general understanding that in in the USA, um, they they lead the world in uh, it's, in, in particular the OECD countries. Um, they lead the world in kind of the 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 what weight and spend they give to employee well being. Um, and at, fir- at first sight, that sounds great, and it, and it is great, but the when you look at well why are why are they doing that it's not for the reasons that you would expect it's it's to it's to reduce their insurance premiums it's to um it's to reduce the potentiality for claims like legal claims and that kind of thing um and i've also heard that there's kind of a bit of I think it's what you call optics, kind of bragging rights to say like, oh yeah, at, at our company we do this, we do that. You know, what what do you do? Uh, yeah, but it's, I, I don't, I'm not, um, you know, and again, I, I don't know this firsthand, but from what from what I've heard from you know other consultants overseas is that it's not it's not really like a genuine desire to um, improve the well being of your people for, you know for the right reasons it's more for those other other reasons um but having said that you know even if the reasons aren't um in, entirely you know noble um it's still good that it's happening more than anywhere else um you know whereas in the in the in new zealand for example it, you know we're pretty much bottom of the pack you know um here we've got this We've got we've got a comp, we've got two two we've got two kind of characteristics that really don't lend themselves well um, to this kind of thing. One is it's yeah, I think it's more of um, like an Australian saying, but it's kind of uh, you might have heard the phrase like she'll be right, and you know it's kind of like oh it will be okay, right? You know, like kind of sweep sweep it under the carpet, right? I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be fine. Um, and and then on top on top of that, um, you've you've got this what what we call um, number eight fence wire mentality, which basically means um, uh, Kiwis prefer to, to do to do they think they can do things themselves, even even though um, there's other people that can do it a hundred times better, you know. <laughs> um, so so I think. I think because of those two things, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really not given much attention. Well, thank you so much, Alan Cox, for putting another nail in the coffin today. This has been another episode of Coffin Talk, and we are always proud to offer you people from all over the world. So it was especially fun today to have someone from New Zealand and originally from the UK. Being an American, I don't know how much people are or not talking about mental health. I just know that it comes up a lot, but it doesn't sound practical 
and no one I've ever heard in my life has talked about how you should like mentally train the way you physically train and work out. So I love your approach to all that, and I'm definitely a fan. Um, of course, in our notes for our listeners, we'll encourage everyone to check out your product and your bio and your page. And for those of you listening at home, if you want to support us, as always, please subscribe and maybe share with a friend and give us a positive rating on Apple if you're listening there. But no matter what, we appreciate you. And this is Mike Oppenheim. And again, you are listening to Coffin Talk, interviews with a living, and we will see you soon. Walking alone.